from the Willamette Valley in America's great Pacific Northwest. You are listening to the Ernest Mann Show, and I'm your host, Ernest Mann. No matter where you may be listening in this great, big, beautiful world, we all share. Hello, folks. And thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 35, Crooks and Criminals, Advertising, the Great American Con Game. I would like for you to listen for a moment and imagine this. Let's say that you are a very agnostic person. You were not religious whatsoever. Now imagine that you live in an area that is extremely religious. For whatever reason, you had to live there. Maybe it's the only place you could afford to live but you have to live there. So not only are all of your neighbors religious, but the entire area is religious. Every business, everywhere you go to shop, to eat, everywhere has some theme of religion. Now, maybe you can imagine if you were such a person completely going out of your mind. And I guess the most logical question at that point to ask would be, well, why would you live there if you were such a person? Well, if we take this a little bit further, let's say... Even if you could afford it, it wouldn't matter because it was the same everywhere. Now, wouldn't that be a very frightening thought? What if there was no place to go, or at least anything even you could remotely afford, that you could get away from something that you absolutely hated. Because I would think that you would think that that would be terrible. That would be a situation that I believe that most people, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even wish that on their worst enemy. And that is because most people like to either actually have or at least believe that they have some kind of freedom of choice. And the choice to be agnostic is part of that freedom of choice. But we're not talking this subject 
is not about religion. It's not even about not being religious. It's about advertising. The thing is, in my country, here in the United States, that is exactly the scenario that we live in. And if that kind of thing bothers you, then you should listen up. Because if you relocated here, it would drive you out of your mind. Now, of course, the one advantage, say, that I have, or that a native person has, is that it's just like anything else. The more you are raised in something, no matter even how hellish it might be, objectively speaking, to you, you're used to it. It's not so bad. And so <clears throat> that's what one does here and combating dealing with advertising is much the same. But the problem that comes from that is itself producing multiple other problems. You see, when you turn off a part of your mind that normally is used for perception, and I mean looking at things with intricate detail. But when the things that are going on around you are so abnormal and so painful that you, or rather your mind, develops these uh, techniques and adaptations to blank out that pain. And that in and of itself is, that would be a, a normal um, situation. That's a, a form of self-preservation. Everybody does that. And um, the problem, though, is that unfortunately, that can cause in and of itself problems because um, you, when you deaden your senses, well, things can go really bad. When your perceptions are false, essentially, you're drunk. You may be sober in that you don't have alcohol in your body, but you're still drunk. Because there have been people who have just shut themselves down to the point where they are not fully perceiving because those things have, out of necessity, had to have been turned off. This is the case why oftentimes many people 
in the world, they may view Americans as dull. Because in many of these places, the insanity that takes place here doesn't exist where they go or where they're visiting. So the natives of these places, they don't, they don't know this. They don't understand this because like anything else, oftentimes you have to, you have to be there and you have to live the life at least for, I don't know, a few months, at least, I would imagine, before you get a full understanding of the gravity of the situation that you're in. And um, so if these people appear to be dulled, well, that's because they are. And by and large, they have had to do this out of necessity. Because the level of inundation of advertising in this country is absolutely insane. It is off the charts. And the machinations that are used and the various psychologies that are used, I mean, they are, they're just quite simply the most devious psychological tricks and manipulations that you can imagine, and then those that you can't imagine. And like I said, you can't imagine it if you're not living here. This, of course, is part and partial of a bigger system of our capitalist-based society, so-called free market economy. So if you are a modern European person and you pretty much have adapted that mindset, then certainly this, this may not be surprising or shocking to you at all. But if you are in places that are not, let's say, very westernized, mechanized, you are not cosmopolitan, you are not a part of that group. There is a duality that on the one hand, many people who are outside of that sphere of influence of westernized cultures and societies, that many of the young in particular, they can be very, very envious because they get a taste of some of the fun things. They get a little taste. Maybe if you're that isolated, depending on where you live and how you live, you know, you could have perhaps an entire village and they're just getting electricity or 
a computer, or cell phones. And on the surface, th this may seem incredible. And I understand that. And I can also understand the yearning that so many have to come, for instance, to the United States or, again, perhaps other westernized nations because they have their own visions in their minds or in your mind of what this is all about. But what you're hearing is from a native. And there is an old saying here that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Sometimes everything is not what it appears to be. And sometimes it's just downright wrong. And that's what I'm here to talk about. I'm not saying that if you have an opportunity to either come to the U.S. or, again, any other industrialized or westernized nation, if you have that opportunity, by all means, do so. But it is important when you do that that you listen and understand what I am telling you. Because if you are prepared for certain things psychologically, they will not come nearly as much with a shock. And so, somewhere in your mind, <clears throat> you get here and uh, you see the... Uh, let's say, the less pleasant side of what all of this advertising, what it brings about, the negative consequences and the fallout from it. This is completely permeated within the society, coming a part of a very negative part of that society in and of itself. It's whereas you have these people, living human beings, that are considered to be nothing more than consumers. That's a, that's a very, very popular uh, word here. Is, there's no negative connotation um, that's connected to it. But in reality, there is, or at least there certainly should be. Because through advertising, everyone is a commodity. And that is the problem with it and the psychology that goes along with it. And we're going to be we're going to be talking and getting into some very good details in a moment. But I thought it was important, first of all, to explain why 
I'm giving you this entire program. Now, when you hear what you're going to hear in a little bit, some of you may just laugh hysterically because it's that unbelievable. And we're going to be doing a bit of, of play acting. But um, there is a very serious side to this. And that is what I am trying to present to you. But if you can try to imagine an entire world where everyone is a marketed clone of everything else. And you see the irony, one that in the more common media, the issue of diversity is constantly out there. But the diversity they're talking about is primarily racial, ethnic diversity. So when you watch, again, with advertising, it's very, very common. As a matter of fact, it's actually become more or less the norm that if there's groups of young people, they can be advertising for whatever product, be it sneakers or, you know, bikes or whatever it is, some outdoor activity that they're doing. They're all racially mixed ethnically um so many women so many men you know it's but the point of it is the thrust this is very common here that it has to be a mix it is forced so different races different sexes but that's what i mean that's in and of itself is the the irony that when you have this and it is forced you know so how many times would you have groups of this kind of person you know they may show a group of you know again it's always for some product placement it's like for um i don't know it could be again sneakers or clothing or whatnot and they'll show a happy group of 20 nothings who are playing volleyball sunny picturesque perfect place and you have you know you have white woman you have black man you have asian woman you have an indian fellow and, and but it's always has to be that way and that is what makes it so strange because they've taken this as though it were diversity and that's not diversity just because you take a bunch of people and you racially or genderly mix them up, I mean, technically you could say, well, yeah, that, that, that is a form of diversity, but it's not the important diversity. The important diversity is intellectual diversity. So the irony of it is that what they really mean and what, for instance, neoliberal, neoliberal ideology preaches is that, yeah, all about individuality as long as you believe what we believe. It's a part of that. 
And it shows up endlessly in advertising. So you have you have two you have well more than two. You have multiple aspects of this that are just really bad. You have advertising in and of itself. I'm not going to, for instance, go back and supposedly look at the heyday when advertising was pure. I mean, you know, if you look at American uh, 1950s commercials, they had doctors who were smoking cigarettes and claiming, yes, Chesterfields are good for your health. You know, so yeah, as far as you know, ethnic concerns were concerned, they were, in fact, of course, they were very homogeneous, yes. But it's still the terror of advertising, but now that's become a separate issue. So I was just talking about, I wasn't talking about, I was pointing out the, the, whole, the whole racial and neoliberalism and the hypocrisy of that, but that in and of itself is a separate issue as concerns just how fucked up advertising is. And advertising, it does really bad things for a society, in my opinion. Especially when it has become completely maniacal. And that is what has happened. So this is a very... It's a very, once again, it's a very tedious, knotted ball that is very tedious and aggravating one knot at a time that has to be pulled apart and straightened out. And so most people just, they just glaze over because it's, it's overwhelming. It's too much. And so they have dulled themselves which is kind of understandable because when something is that relentless from the cradle to the grave with each successive generation, it only gets worse. So what are you, you know, what is one who is young supposed to do because they don't know? Very young people, they've never lived with a world without cell phones or a computer or a laptop. They don't know. The concept to them is, is, is foreign. It's like actually, you know, traveling and all the traveling that I did in my youth, you know, we had actual maps. <laughs> and you had to know how to read a map. And... Uh, using a old school paper map and where to get them and how to use them. And that was a skill. Well, you know, you don't need that anymore because now you can simply give the location on your cell phone and it will give you step-by-step -step directions on how to get there. So there's that. So the point that I'm trying to make is that when, when certain psychologies 
they meld and become pathologies, but it's done in such a way that over time, no one notices. That's why, for instance, when we look back on more ancient history of, say, the way people lived, even the things that royalty did in, say, the 15th or 16th century, are just absolutely inconceivable. They're just unbelievable. We can't, how, how could people have done that? How could they have lived that way? Well, because that in and of itself was a product of years and years of slow social conditioning. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to just point out a few issues in rapid succession here and see if any of this sounds familiar to you. This is an absolute limited offer of this incredible product, so respond now. If this product is so fucking incredible, why is it a limited offer? This makes no sense. If the company wanted to increase sales of its incredible product, it would not be a limited offer at all. Unless, of course, the product is total bullshit. How about this one? Due to the overwhelming response, this incredible product is in very short supply. You must act now. This manipulation tactic here is intended to elicit fear. It is implying that the company has no idea when, if ever, they will have more of the product, which is complete and utter bullshit. Any legitimate company knows exactly how much of a product it can produce in any given time frame. They would simply state an apology for their inability to fulfill an order, yet make it perfectly clear that they will fulfill any orders and get the product to their customers as soon as possible. How about this? Normally, a product of this quality would cost hundreds of dollars more, but due to a special arrangement with the manufacturer, we are able to offer this product to you at a fraction of the cost. But you must act now. This form of psychological fuckery is intended to appeal to your greed. You can get this at a super low price while simultaneously appealing to your ego by implementing the idea that you are special by having the intelligence to get in on this special deal. If the company does in fact have a special arrangement with the manufacturer, then there is no real reason why it should not be able to continue that special arrangement indefinitely particularly if the product is selling well. As a matter of fact, if everything they claim about the product is true, simple demand for the product alone would determine its true value, without any need for a special manufacturer's arrangement. 
Listen to this. I'll use my own completely contrived product, a supplement called Confidence Boost 5000 Ultra. As an example, and although a bit exaggerated, it's actually pretty close to the overall sentiment of American marketing manipulation techniques currently in use in all media forms today. Listen and try not to laugh as I use the preceding example of just how disingenuous and psychopathic current American advertising is. Have you ever felt squeamish? Have you ever felt that you were small and insignificant? That your ideas and opinions didn't matter very much? Especially when it came to telling your so-called superiors what you actually thought? Well, we understand. There are millions of other people just like you who unjustly suffer so many ways in life simply due to a lack of confidence and have never been able to express themselves effectively. That is until now. Thanks to the thousands of hours of cutting-edge research performed by our team of top research scientists from all over the world, Uranus Corporation is releasing a miracle supplement designed specifically to correct confidence deficiencies. And we are proud to call it Confidence Boost 5000 Ultra. Here's what one of our users of the product has to say. Simon Simpleton says, I was working for a company for three years as a sales representative. I always tried to be a good employee. I never asked for a raise, even though I desperately needed one. And I never expected to be respected. I just wanted to go along with the program. And even though I could barely make financial ends meet, I sacrificed for the company good and did what I was told. Now let's see what Simon has to say about his life after just three days of taking Confidence Boots 5000 Ultra. I tell you, I was pretty skeptical at first, but I'm going to tell you in my own words what happened just after three days of taking Confidence Boost 5000 Ultra. I decided I'd had enough. First thing I did when I got to work was storm right into my boss's fucking office. He was standing in front of his desk with a cup of coffee in his hand and looked really kind of shocked. But before he could say a single word, I told him exactly what was on my fucking mind. Listen to me, you fucking prick. I've been putting up with your shit for three years now. But no more. Not only are you going to give me a 50% fucking raise retroactive to the start of my employment, but that employee bathroom will have my fucking name on it. Meant from me and my ass alone from now on. On top of that, I expect to be able to take off from work whenever I fucking feel like it. And I don't have to show you any stupid fucking doctor's note. Then as he stood there dumbstruck 
with his jaw dropped, I did the right thing. I kicked him as hard as I possibly could straight in his fucking nuts. And I told him as I was walking out, when you get up off the floor, I'll be at my fucking desk. If you have any fucking questions, you fucking prick. Then I slammed the door behind me. Thank you, Confidence Boost 5000 Ultra. Simon Simpleton, Brooklyn, New York. So there you have it. Absolute proof of the effectiveness of Confidence Boost 5000 Ultra, the most incredible confidence-boosting formula ever formulated. Quantities are limited, so get yours today. <laughs> Sadly, that, folks, is the truth. Well, what did you think about that? I'd really like to hear what you have to say. So go on over to my website, theearnestmanshow.com, and put down your two cents worth. And while you're there, please feel free to listen to any and all the episodes you like. Plus, check out the other interesting things on my website. Until next time, this is Ernest saying take care. I'm out of here.